Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mount West Flyer basketball podcast so we're talking about hoops mwr.com it's our website again mwr.com hit the did you know andy they changed the subscribe button on itunes or apple Podcasts to follow really they apparently did because i was listening to the podcast they changed I, i'm guessing because subscribe might have a connotation of pay us money to subscribe so that makes sense us? <laughs> It's whatever, but we're talking who's not talking podcast genre or, or gimmicks or <laughs> keywords, whatever it's going to be. We're talking hoops, not much tournament or no, excuse me, NCAA tournament, NIT for a second. End of the show coaching talk where we'll get to it later. We already had to break two minutes in, so we're not going to get to that talk, but you only be coaching search. You have New Mexico hiring Richard Pitino. Um, Utah opening might have some indication around the league with maybe Craig Smith and others, but, uh, You'll get to hear me and Larry talk about that and as well as Andy discuss that. But we're going to get to the NCAA tournament. It is uh, – how weird is it for you that's not on Thursday? It's it's really weird. Um, I will say I'm actually really glad because we do have – you know technically the, the NCAA tournament does start on <laughs> Thursday with the first four. I will say I'm super glad that the Mountain West does not have a team playing in the first four. That's great. Uh, I thought for sure that the Mountain West would if they got more than one bid, but uh, it is super weird that we won't have the morning, you know, the Thursday morning. Well, for me, because I'm in the West Coast, right? Me too. So, I'm out Mountain Time, yeah. Today exactly. So it's, it's the morning thing for me. You know, I hear all these people talking about the afternoon slate for basketball and all that, and I'm just like, wait, what? No. <laughs> this is like you wake up in the morning, and it's 9, and, and there's already basketball going, and it's it's beautiful. That's why uh, I love living out here. I Central time zone, not bad. East Coast time zone, which is for a couple of years, which you'll hear me talk about later because I do. Those games <laughs> that start like at 10, 15 Eastern time, like, holy crap, those first games. My brother came to visit me when I lived out in Westchester County, just outside New York City. Like, all right, March Madness, went to Times Square, went to a few places to watch some games, head back. I'm like, are you like bad? Because like, no, man, game's just starting, 10, 15, let's go. The game before went overtime. This game got pushed back 20 minutes. 
let's get going. Keep watching. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's fun occasionally late, but I like to wake up and go and I have to wait until 12.15 Eastern time. Same thing for NFL, college football, 10, 11 a.m., perfect. You get up, you don't need to do too much, maybe do a couple of things early, and then if you're out west, you can watch the late game, and it's not absurdly late, even for, like, the 8 o'clock tips or kicks. But, totally. But, you know, we didn't discuss, I just realized we, it seems like it's been a year since we've talked. We should mention Utah State 11 seed, <laughs> San Diego State a 6 seed, no Colorado State. They were one of the first four out, and the deadline has passed for it to be an alternate team to come in. So any number one seeds NIT, which CSU is, is not good getting the call up at the moment. Is it correct that – I know we discussed it last time. A team can be called up only for the first-round games. Is that correct, the third, the Friday-Saturday games? Is that all? Yes. So so at this point, if any team is, you know, ruled to not be able to meet that five healthy players threshold, um, then they their game is just a forfeit at this point, and the, the opponent moves on to the next round. So do you think yeah. – I'm going to say at least one game is going to get forfeited, at least one. Man, I really don't. You don't want to bet on that? <laughs> I, I, no, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say you're right, but I think you might be. That's where I was going. Um, I, it was just really discouraging to have like one of the first pieces of news coming out of NDP. Like, oh, we had to send our six best referees home. Oh, I know. It's cause so for those who don't know the story, apparently the, the, I don't know, you know, every single detail, obviously, but, um, the referees, went to their hotel. The They were told that their hotel rooms weren't ready yet so that they should go out on the town and go get a bite to eat. And so these, you know, six referees go out to eat together and um, turns out somebody then tests positive for COVID and the other five are knocked out of the tournament due to contact tracing. And so now six of the best, including Teddy Valentine, you know, one of the most well-known uh, referees in all of college basketball, aren't going to be uh, refing at the NCAA tournament. They've already been sent home. At least for the first, I guess, almost two weeks. I'll say come back to the Final Four, but they're probably not. They were, they were, they've come out and said that, nope, mm-hmm. they Anyone who was sent home won't be coming back. So I think that, you know, that's good, yeah. I guess, if you're trying to protect the integrity of your, you know, quote unquote bubble. I don't know how you have a bubble over four cities or whatever it is, but, yeah. uh, you know, the, the bubble. Can uh, I say, for, there's a couple of things with the story that make me are very frustrated and infuriated about it. We'll get to our talk in a minute, our Mountain West hoops. First off, if you're a host hotel, how are you not ready for these guys coming in for any team, anybody a part of the tournament? How is their rooms not ready, first of all? I get hotel stuff, but if you're chosen as the hotel to host a team, a referee, whatever, broadcast crew, and they want it to be as safe as possible, how is it not ready, first of all? Second, I don't want to put this on the officials too much, but go your separate ways for a couple hours. What are you doing? Go, like, I... I've been officiating. I do ref water pool around Utah and other places. We've had a tournament. We had a tournament two weekends ago. We had your COVID test day before, day of, day before. Um, we're not really close to each other because you're on the other side of the pool and stuff. But there are people that the rush, this restaurant, they're like, nope, I'm going home. I'm in town. I'm out from out of state. I'm going home. I go home. 
I, somebody needed the ride. Yes, I'll give you a ride. I'm nice. We wore masks in the car. Hey, we're at the restaurant. Come say goodbye. Just walked out the door. So like, hey, how you guys doing? Went home because I didn't want to. I first wanted to be home because I was tired. And oh, I, yeah. <laughs> but also, I'm like, I'm not going to go hang out. I'm like, what are you like? I don't know. I'm like, come on. It's like, what are you doing? Like, go, go. I don't know what you do. Go. They don't don't get a car. Go walk and grab food somewhere. Go to a restaurant by yourself. It's under the assumption. Maybe I'm. Do you know this? Did they all dine together? Um, that is what I believe. Yes. I, I mean, I don't know, but they were, you know, how they were sitting, but close uh, enough. They were all at the same restaurant. You know, take a seat <laughs> at the bar and spread out. I I just don't. Like my buddy Matt Zemek, who retweets all his stuff, does stuff for the Trojan Wire USC website. I think a couple. He's a good guy and stuff. He's like. He makes a good point. And people bashed up, bashed on him. Officials are supposed to make smart decisions and have good judgment. What are you doing? That's like the worst possible judgment. You know what I mean? It's like maybe they thought yeah. they're fine because I'm betting here's what honestly probably happened. Oh, we're fine. We got tested. We're good. But there can always whatever you know, false positives, whatever. Like I, when I had COVID, I never tested positive once, even though I knew I had symptoms and eventually knew I did it with the antibody test. But I never tested positive once in like three tests within like a three week period. So that's a possibility. And that was not with the rapid, like the actual take a few days to look at it. So, but I don't want a team to come out, but I, I'm skeptical like that, Andy. So I think one team's going to be go away. I just, I don't, I don't want to say, I'm not going to put any guess on who it is, but I would hope it would be if the scenario happens, it wouldn't be like a, an obvious win for the team that's going home. Like if you're, like how it'd be weird if like it's Colgate and Arkansas and Arkansas gets sent home where it's like, well, Colgate wasn't going to win. They get a freebie to move on. And Arkansas could have made a run. I feel bad for right. Well, like a Gonzaga case. or somebody, you know? Yeah. But my point being is like, I, I feel bad for anybody who got sent home because Kansas and like Virginia aren't showing up till Friday. And there's going to be a ton of upsets in this tournament because of probably because of that. I think can I don't know how far Kansas or Virginia would go if they don't have enough players or they have fewer players or not practicing. They're in town the night before. Yeah, I Which, believe I saw that, you know, Kansas in particular, uh, they'll be without Jalen Wilson, who's one of their top, um, front court players. And so, I mean, that's, that's the sort of thing that's going to be, you know, it's going to make this a weird, the tournament's going to be a little weird. There might be some asterisks on, on the season at the end of it all. Um, but I think we're going to get mostly, mostly a, a full tournament. I don't, I think you're probably right. We may have, you know, one, one or two games go by the wayside, unfortunately. Um, I certainly hope that's not the case because, you know, all these teams work so hard to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. And but yeah. later on games, like if it's a lead eight game, are they just going to postpone it? Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's don't it's know. the worst. Like if it's a first round game, like, I'm not going to be crude, but like if it's Florida, Virginia Tech, I'm like, whatever, you're not going far. It sucks, but. You're not screwing up the tournament. It's the national championship game. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I don't know. I may, and maybe they've come out. I haven't read. I I have enough of an issue, you know, doom scrolling through Twitter, yeah. Twitter <laughs> reading, you know, what are the contingencies if the national championship can't be played? It's like, no, I can't go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I probably have some sort of, you know, mildly journalistic duty to know that, but like, no. I, I, <laughs> I just, honestly, I, I, still, I also don't think they said. They probably haven't. I mean, yeah. They've mentioned up through the Sweet 16 rounds, it's a forfeit. So, oh, oh so they, they were specific to that, to up to the six, Sweet 16 rounds? Or maybe 32. 
maybe okay. leading into the Sweet 16. So if you're at around a 32, you can advance if it's a if a team can't play. Gotcha. So that's as far as I know. But as for the teams in our conference, maybe we'll get back to those because that's what you guys are looking for, not referee talk. So we have – I do – we'll get to the San Diego State-Syracuse game later, which has the pristine A team and on CBS. That's pretty sweet. They get to play Syracuse. And I'll pretend to say it's all because San Diego State, but we know it's because Jim Boheim's over there, Boheim, whatever, complaining to get in. But the first game, 11.45 a.m. Mountain Time, 10.45 a.m. Pacific, 12.45 Eastern. I won't forget you Central Time Zone because that's where Texas Tech is at. That is uh, – no, excuse me, 12.45 Central, 1.45 Eastern. Let me go to Time Zone, right? I live in America. I should know this. But <laughs> Texas Tech is only a four-and-a-half-point favorite. They're playing at Bloomington, so Assembly Hall, so we can play at the Indiana University. This game, we're going to do, I'm, we're trying to do some Q&As from, from beat writers and guys, but this, the line is very small. Open up is at six, I want to say. It's sitting at four and a half. Texas Tech, as we mentioned before, we'll mention, I guess, later, not before, but when you hear on, the Big 12 was really good this year. Texas Tech has lost to Houston. They've lost to Kansas. Their only, I guess, quote, bad loss was to Oklahoma State. That's about it. Not a bad loss. (laughs) Well, two lost to Oklahoma State. So not amazing. Like, they're fine. They're decent teams, but they're not top 25 teams. So they have a decent amount of losses. But, you know, the one thing I know about Texas Tech, Chris Beard throwing a hissy fit in midcourt one time to get thrown out of the game. (laughs) Him just (laughs) sitting there and crying. It's like, get over yourself, dude. But this game, Nemes Cato was named honorable mention APL American today. I know when they talk about oh, no, that's great. tournament play, it's like, oh, it's a guard play, guard play, guard play. Big man play is going to be a big deal in this game. He is arguably, what, obviously right there, top 15 guy in the country, top 20 guy, whatever AP or honorable matchup really considers and goes into. But I don't know like who on Texas Tech can handle him as well because we saw what he did against Memphis and San Diego State. Not great, but still did fine. And he's probably the best defender he'll be going up against all year. I just wonder if they should just feed him a million buckets and let him just take it down low and do his thing on offense and get him back to maybe the, the last month of the season where he was scoring. He had those back-to-back 30-point games with Boise State. I kind of think that's what they want to do. There's more to it, but that's kind of my first thought. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think to me it's pretty clear that Utah State is going to win the rebounding battle in this game, um, and that those those re, they're going to get rebounds on the offensive and the defensive end. Um, Texas Tech is not a very good rebounding team, really, on either end, um, and Utah State's an elite one. Uh, I think that right there is going to lead to a lot more, you know. Um, Chances inside, second chance opportunities for Namish Keda, for guys like Justin Bean who are jumping in there. But, um, yeah, just in terms of who can handle Namish Keda from an offense, like, what, who can defend him, uh, from Texas Tech? I think you're going to look at Marcus Santos Silva, um, who's a, used to be at Virginia, uh, Commonwealth's. So VCU, um, mm-hmm. before he was at Texas Tech, he's a, he's a solid defender. He's, he's good. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be able to stop Kata or contain him really all that much. Um, Kevin McCullers, another front court defender out there for Texas Tech. I think that Namish Kata should be able to eat pretty well in this game. Um, but as we saw with the Boise State series, you know, you can get him 
30 points and a double, you know, you can give him a double double, but is it enough? You need more things happening. So, you know, I think you, I think you're on the right track that that is, that should be the game plan to start with, but you, you certainly need to have other guys stepping up to, to support him or else it's, I mean, Texas Tech is a good team. So yeah, yeah, that's why they're a fa- four and a half point favorite. We'll right. play the BPI game in a minute, but I'll just say right now, it's lopsided <laughs> just in that game. But if we look at what they do, they uh, oh sorry, I'm looking at the, I'm staring at some screen. I'm like, this is not the screen I want to stare at because I'm going to rattle off some Nimiskata stats, which are terribly wrong. But they did lose to, te- to University of Texas in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament, which again, Big Twelve tournament really good. When you look at what Texas Tech does, like the rebound edge, that's perfect. They're going to dominate that. But they have four scores in double-digit points. Like, Mac McClung is really, really good. Their guard there. He only has two assists a game, so that's one thing. Maybe if he make him hold – I don't know. He always, he scores 15 a game, but he doesn't give him the ball much. He's he's prone to turnovers, leading the team in turnovers per game. Oh, yeah. He's not a great defender, so he could score, but he's not like a, a traditional guard who's going to give you five assists. He gets about a steal a game, so they're pretty good defensively in that route, but he's – not a traditional guard. He wants to go up and score, but he's also a guy who makes one out of a third of his three point shots, scores just enough, and 15 and a half is good, but it's not great, particularly when he doesn't rebound well, doesn't have the assist well, he turns the ball over way too much, and he shoots an okay 42% from the field. That's your best player. I'm not scared if that's your best player. Well, and the thing with him, too, you know, a lot of what makes Mac McClung so dangerous is that he can. You know, he gets hot and he's, he's scores in, you know, big chunks, it seems like, but, um, you know, he can score inside and he can shoot, you know, he's not the most efficient outside shooter, yeah. but he can go inside. He's a, he's a volume guy too. I mean, so that's why his, you know, percentages are low, but the 15 mm-hmm. points per game looks pretty good. Um, but I think, you know, if he's going to try to go inside and create shots at the rim for himself in this game (laughs) yeah i think you should probably watch some film from the uh, mountain west tournament see how that went for people uh especially you know maybe give a call to a guy like david roddy who (laughs) i don't know how many (laughs) his shots got blocked in that semifinal by nimius kata but i know kata ended up with nine in that yeah just amazing so i think you know looking at the draw there that was the first thing that came to mind is you know I, i i know mac mcclung likes to take guys off the dribble and likes to go to the rim and try to score. And he's good at it. He can do it. Um, but Utah State can stop him. Um, <laughs> you know, I think from doing that. So he's going to get forced to go outside, I think, more. And he's going to have to try to rely on that three-point shot. And if it's not falling for him, then, you know, Texas Tech could be in some some more trouble there because their next highest offense, I don't know, you're looking at – Terrence Shannon Jr. and Kyler Edwards, I think, probably for the – I don't know. The they're all about 10 to 12 points. Like, yeah. They're just, they have options, but I don't think any of those guys are going to be able to – if all four of those guys score like 15, 12 points each, that's trouble for Utah State. But I don't know if there's a guy who can step up and go for 20 points. I would be like, surprised to see this game climb out of the 60s in terms of scoring. Um, Texas Tech's got a pretty good scoring offense, but they are good on defense – and so is Utah State. I think that defensively, I think that's where this matchup is going to be won. Um, so it could just come down to, you know, who's making those 
threes. Might be one of those games where you need Brock Miller to. Yes. You really need Brock Miller to, to be on today. Or, or if not him, then it's gotta be, you know, Steven Ashworth or Rolly Worcester. Somebody else has to make some, some threes because Texas Tech is not a, an easy team to score on inside either. So, you know, you gotta, well, I mean, it's not really easy to score on them anywhere. They're, they're a solid defensive club, but. They don't have, we're looking at like, when you look at the overall team stats, like one thing I could see, we mentioned how many steals and how Utah State was turned over the ball so many times for San Diego State. So that's an issue. They have more turnovers allowed than Utah, than Texas Tech by two. The steals, they, they average more steals per game, but looking at like the blocks and steals, like those are overall, they're about the same. They don't have like, no, this is a dusting. Nobody has like a Nemes Keda when he has three, three of your five blocks a game essentially. They have a bunch of guys who will get like a steal a game, a steal or two. So they have, that's yeah. why their defense is so good. We're okay. Yeah. McClung has basically a steal a game, but Shannon just over one. McCuller's about two a game. Edwards is one. If all these guys above like even like Namari Byrne, I'm not sure he's playing. Let me double check because he only played 12 games, but they have a bunch of guys who do quite well. And so it's not, it's like a, you're not going to have a, yeah, he hasn't played for all. So don't worry about Burnett. I made a mistake there, but overall. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They don't have a dominant defender to block your shots. Like maybe Santos Silva gets over a block a game. Maybe it's him. But that's not three-plus what, what Nemes Kata does. But they, they're overall, they're a solid defending team for what they allow for real goal percentage. They're, these teams like are almost identical to what they want to accomplish. Basically, four guys are about 10 points a game with Ronnie Rooster, Roller Rooster about nine. They, Utah State rebounds better, and they have a dom- one dominant rebounder, which is good. But what if Nemes Kane is off, where Texas Tech has four guys over five boards, almost five boards a game? Well, That's a- you know, we're talking about this. You know, we're talking about all these guys uh, for Texas Tech. The one thing that I noticed Texas Tech does not have uh, is – well, okay. So they do have one technically. Uh, <laughs> but a seven-footer, a seven-footer who plays or even just a really big guy who plays – these guys that we're talking about, Marco Santos Silva, um, uh, geez, where is his name? Uh, they've got Micah Peavy, Kevin McCuller, he's the other guy I was trying to talk about. Uh, they're 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six, seven, six, six. These are not tall guys, so they don't have trees, right? So their defense come, you know, their good defense comes from slowing teams down. It comes from, you know, cause they play a pretty slow tempo. Uh, they play, 65 possessions a game on average. That's about 316th in the country. So pretty slow. You know, we're talking kind of like San Diego State slow. Um, yeah. So they're going to slow things down quite a bit, which I don't think is really that big of a problem for Utah State. Um, but, you know, yeah, they, they like to force turnovers by having a lot of guys get steals, being very active there. And, and that might be, I think, if Utah State loses this game – uh, and they struggle on offense, it's going to be because of turnovers. That seems to be the, the one, you know, the, the weakness on Utah State's offense. Um, in the, their shooting hasn't been great. 
but we know, you know, we know that they have shooters. They just yes. haven't always been on. But like, Brooke Miller's a guy. He might. Uh, what is his actual number this year? I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong on this. Okay, so Brooke Miller's actually at thirty-seven percent this year. So he's not really the main issue here. Um, you know, Marco Anthony, thirty-four. It's fine. Raleigh Worcester Justin needs Bean, to stop taking so many. <laughs> He's at 27. Justin Bean, 24%. You know, it's like, these aren't great. Um, but you're not really, you don't want Justin Bean or Raleigh Worcester hucking up a huge amount of threes all game, probably. Nope. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at this game. I'm looking at Utah State. I'm thinking they, they take care of the ball. On offense, and they score inside with Namiya Shkada. They win the rebounding battle, which they really should. I mean, they're they're a top 15, 20 team on both sides of the ball in terms of rebounding, whereas Texas Tech is – they're fine at offensive rebounding, but they cannot stop anybody from – on, on, on the defensive end. So I have a feeling that Justin Bean and Namish Keda are just, they're probably going to combine for like eight or nine offensive rebounds together. Maybe um, that just seems to me like if you can, if you're Utah state, if you can limit your own turnovers on offense and if you can really get on those boards and exploit that weakness should be able to stay uh, ahead of, the defense, the Texas Tech's defense. So then the question is, can you stop their offense? And I think Namiya Shkada can stop them inside. Um, you know, Texas Tech, they're not that much better at shooting the three. They're really not that good at shooting two pointers either. They're 219th in the country at, you know, two point, two pointers. So that's not going to get better against Utah State. So, you know, I think that offensively, Utah State is capable. Uh, of of beating this Texas Tech team that's not a, not super big that gets out rebounded because they're not super big, um, and and I think Namiya's kid is going to eat in this game. I think it's going to be good. I'm trying to like kind of undersell it a little because you know I don't want to go too far. I don't think it's going to be a blowout necessarily, but Texas Tech is also you know they played in a lot of close games and they've lost a lot of close games. Like they lost. Lucky. Knock you down a peg or two here? Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking. Like we mentioned, what, what are they going to do without these seven-footers? They have a six-seven guy, which they weigh the same amount, which is not great for Cadis, 245. Right. <laughs> so what's probably going to happen, which would make a lot of sense, what happens to a big guy? Well, let's run a drop defense. Let's crash on him when the ball gets in there, which is going to be the things you mentioned before, rattling off all the guys shooting three-pointers being – Marco Anthony, all these guys, Raleigh Worcester, Brock Miller. It might come down to them where Kata might need to have a game where it's five assists and these guys are making three-point shots where unless he's extremely close to basket and gets tip-ins or like just the one step and nobody can't get him in time or it's just the, the – the, not the alley-oop but the high pass where it's just the catch, he touches the ground and comes back up, one of those right. type of deals. Yep, yep, yep. But they're going to crash on him, so I think it's going to be paramount to – if your outside shot's not working, like he'll kick it out, like which big men should do. Okay, you're double tripling me. I'll pass it to the open guy. If that's not falling, they're gonna need to do keep the offense sustained. Don't go away from it, but have guys drive to the hoop. Say, okay, I'll take a shot at the free throw line. I'll take a backdoor cut. We'll try something else. Oh, we'll we'll put Kata at the free throw line to catch the ball there, and then get a pass underneath if they 
crest, like if, they, if he comes at the top of the elbow right to catch the free throw and catches it, if they're they're still probably going to want to double him on some level or kind of a crash of some sort, maybe they need to mix it that way where he steps out where if they do bring a bring a double guy, they can just backdoor it and get an easy layup. Or if they double him out there, well, what do you do? They're not going to double him out there. You know what I mean? Like if he's that far out, I don't want Kata to take those shots, but that might be a way just to mix up the offense because if, te- if their three-point shot's not falling – that's what I think Texas Tech is going to do, just go crash, 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 and wear him out and make him maybe shoot 15 free throws or something. He shoots a good enough percentage, not going to like hack him, where he's over, just over 70%, which is good enough for pretty good for a big guy. But I think that's probably going to be their plan, which would make the most sense. They'll probably start off playing single because they don't want to show their hand like, oh, we got you. You're just some Utah State team. Who cares? We'll play a one-on-one. doesn't matter. It'll start with that. Katie gets going. They're going to have to slowly double maybe triple, mix in some, some sort of zone-type coverage. And then that's where Utah State outside guys have to make their shots when they come their way. That's what I think will be the ultimate result. But let's play the game. Andy, what's the BPI say? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think you already told me it was lopsided, so I'm going to say that it's probably towards Texas Tech. Uh, I'm going to use, for percentage-wise, I'm going to say 73 you're getting good, 74%. Woohoo, man, one of these days I'm going to hit one of these. So who's winning? Who do I think is winning? Yeah. I think Utah State's winning this game. Um, I, I, I know, you know, it's kind of the homer pick or whatever, cause I That's fine. cover the, the league, but honestly, I just, I, I like the way that this team has been playing, uh, Utah State. I mean, yeah, they, they lost to San Diego State, but I don't have a big problem with that. And, I don't know. I, I think that when the team's at full strength, um, and when they are clicking, they're, they're, they're great. I, I really like this team. Um, and I, and I think Craig Smith is a really good coach and he, he makes adjustments really well. So I think that, you know, I don't think that, I mean, Chris Beard's also a good coach, but, um, I think, Craig Smith's not necessarily going to get out coached in this game, if that makes sense. Um, so I think, it's going to be an upset, and then, you know, it's it's one that feels good for me to pick though because you've got Namish Keda, you've got you know an All American honorable mention guy out there, and he's playing so well right now. I, I just I think he's going to continue that, and this is going to kind of put him really on the map. This will probably be the last time we see Namish Keda too, mm-hmm. maybe because uh, I, I would have to imagine he's his NBA stock is. Very good right now. I, this is not my, you know, forte to know about draft stuff. I'm not great with that, but, um, <laughs> but I imagine somebody's going to want him and want to pay him a lot of money. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe he's got to go out in the NCAA tournament and have one more, you know, a game like he had against Colorado State really to, to solidify that. And I could see it happening against, against, uh, Texas Tech. You know, I agree. He, remember, he entered the draft as a true freshman. Came back, got hurt, so there's no change in him going last year. Right. But, but I think you're right. Like he, he's the best player on the court. So why would you not go with the best player on the court? Yep. And so that's kind of how I'm feeling. It makes the most sense. So I, I agree with you. I think Utah State will win. Just for, uh, I wish I'm a bracket here. They play, do you have who the next round would be? If not, it's okay. Um, we can go on. Not, oh, that, that's the Arkansas Colgate, actually. Interesting. Okay, so that would be – we'll talk about that later, but that's just something to look forward to. Probably Arkansas most likely. It was pretty good in SEC. Well, but let's know. move I – mean, You say we'll talk about it later, but we're not going to be on again. <laughs> I don't know if you want to do an emergency one after the first round games, but 
think Arkansas would be a tougher one. I wouldn't feel quite as confident because um, Arkansas has a ton of offensive options that I don't think Texas Tech has as much. So I'll just preview that anyway and just say I think that Utah State can probably get past Texas Tech in a close one. I think that they will have a much tougher time with Arkansas, and who knows, maybe uh, Eric Musselman's still a little uh, angry at Utah State from all the stuff that went down a couple of years back. So, you know, Eric Musselman, the head coach at Arkansas now. Um, I don't see Utah State making it to the Sweet 16. I do think that they'll win that first game, though. Uh, yeah, just Arkansas likes to run the ball and play good defense. That's a, that's a deadly combination if they can pull it, it really off. really is, yeah. Easily. 40 minutes of hell, right? I don't know if that's uh, still the saying out there, but it certainly was when they won the title back in Nolan, 90, Nolan Richardson, uh, yeah. 94? Yeah. Something like that. Date myself a little there. But. That's fine. Regardless, let's move on. All right, next game. We're fine. It doesn't matter. We're talking hoops. That means, no, you what you say, it's you have the experience of remembering what happened when. Well, that's true. That's, and I will say, actually, those Nolan Richardson teams, uh, that was some of the first basketball. I, I was like seven years old when, uh, when those, yeah, those Arkansas teams with Corliss Williamson and the Ed O'Bannon UCLA teams were going at it. They're like six foot uh, nothing center, Corliss Williamson. Boom. Yeah. And that was some of the first basketball I grew up with, like college basketball. Uh, I was, yeah, I was young and I, those are the tournaments. I really remember. I wish I could remember that like Christian Leitner shot. I remember my dad yelling really oh, loud. I remember I was, like four or oh, five. I at totally the time, remember watching so. that live. Like, oh, what that? What? How does this go in? Fix right? Don't dribble, Christian. Don't tie him anything. <laughs> oh man, I remember watching that. Watching Ty Sedney going down Boise State's court at the Taco Bell Arena. Lots of games. That's uh, some good. I also remember not too long ago, but George Mason, the big guy, just hitting the big butt in the block and making buckets in the Final Four. Or to oh. go to the final four versus UConn, I think it was. was wow. So All right. Cool. Yeah. No more memory lane here. We're, this podcast is going to be super long, and you're welcome. We're about Syracuse. to create some new memories. Maybe San Diego State will be a, a new team to get <laughs> some new memories going. Boom. Playing Syracuse, the upper seed, six seed, Aztecs, 11 seed, Qs. Aztecs are a three-point favor. This game, like I mentioned, primetime, CBS, Jim Nance, Grant Hill, who was it, Tracy Wolfstein, I believe as well, on the call? The, am I correct on that? I don't know if it actually is Tracy Wolfson, but um, oh. that, that's the correct last name. It's it's, it's your top crew essentially going to be there. They yeah. switch around occasionally. So that's a good game. That's at Hinkle Fieldhouse there, which they're all in Indiana, so I don't know why I keep saying they're This fieldhouse here, this stadium here, this hall here, Coliseum. But they're playing Syracuse team who I always joke about. Freaking Jim Beheim gets into the tournament just because he's Jim Beheim. This Aztecs team. Well, first off, Syracuse, there's one issue that haven't been brought up. Actually, I did get my Q&A for our buddy John Casillo. He does stuff for New Magician. He actually, years ago, did Aztec stuff for us as well. So that's a, always a good guy to have to recall, like, hey, John, can you help me out with this? Um, so I got the Q&A in front of him to help me out a little bit. So what, one question I asked him specifically because they played Syracuse. Or excuse me, Syracuse played Virginia, who left. And so there's been no reports of them having to come late, anybody mm-hmm. testing positive within the program. They're just out there typically doing quarantine practicing. So I want to bring that up just because I want to make sure. So they should be full strength. So that's always something to come into, into place to remember or to talk about. But yeah. the Aztecs, Matt Mitchell, obviously we know who he is. They have everybody on this team. Like Bayheim has this kid on the team who's pretty good too apparently, 17 points a game, Buddy. It's like, is that his real name, Buddy? Come on. What's the deal with that? I don't know. Whatever. 
But I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> that's that's a good question because uh, I've never looked into that. I've just always assumed it was actually Buddy, uh, but be. maybe not. Maybe it's like you know Edward or something stupid. <laughs> not stupid. I mean, that Edward is my middle name. <laughs> All the Edwards, Ozzy, <laughs> deleted forever, not coming back. It's my middle name. I get to say it's stupid. Oh no, it's Thomas. Thomas Buddy Bayheim. Ugh, I like him <laughs> so much less now. Okay. Yeah, now I'm. I don't know. I have no problem picking San Diego State in this game. <laughs> so the last time they played, do you recall when they played on the aircraft carrier with the wind where they couldn't shoot the ball? Yeah, remember that was my whole uh, my my plan for the tour for the COVID season was to play everything on aircraft carrier. <laughs> Cruise journey, right? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! Make sure you have that ball so they don't go off the edge, or have the net on the side so they can retrieve it with the pool with the pool buoy or something. Oh my gosh! <laughs> with the little ball net overboard. Thing. <laughs> but these two did like here's one interesting thing I brought too because Aztecs shoot the ball pretty well from three point range which we know and as you, anybody knows Syracuse they play their zone defense I'm very curious to see what will happen if Aztecs shots start falling will they extend the zone will they give it up will they play the same that's one of my the biggest things I'm wondering about like how will the Aztecs react if they're because you're playing the zone, you're kind of giving that giving the teams that shot. Like, what will be the deal if they start making it? And really, what can they do if they start yeah. making it? You know, what do what do they have the personnel to do? Take a step back. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think Alan Griffin is probably the best on ball defender that they have. I think so, but I don't know that you can really. You know, I, I don't know that you want Buddy Beheim playing a ton of man-to-man defense or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that, you know, if you're Jim Beheim, you're just really hoping that those shots don't fall and that Jordan Shackle has one of his off days. But uh, I don't see it, man. I, no. I, I'm I feeling so con- – I, I feel really <laughs> confident in this pick. I like – I think San Diego State is going to win this game pretty yeah, easily. It. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm – so I'm a little fine. less familiar. So it's that I'm a little less familiar with the Syracuse team because you know there's so many ACC teams and they were in the middle of the pack, kind of not being very good for a while. You know they they didn't really get a win that made me care about them until I they might not even have one. <laughs> I mean they they beat Virginia Tech. I think that probably that when they beat Virginia Fine, Tech sure. by like 18 on January 23rd when I think Virginia Tech was I when I, everyone had a little better opinion of Virginia Tech, I think. <laughs> um but you know, we're going to say that Syracuse has wins over, you know, X amount of wins over tournament teams, but that's going to include Georgetown. <laughs> so, I don't know how I feel about that. Um you know, other than that, they beat Virginia Tech at home. They beat uh, North Carolina by two points yeah. at home. They beat a fading Clemson at home. <laughs> you know, they've beaten NC State, NC State three times, which is hard to do. Sure, fine. But, like, you know, it's a pretty good NC State team, but not a great one. So, I don't know. I'm not super concerned with the the matchup here this is another team like texas tech um syracuse does not stop people from getting offensive rebounds <laughs> um so that that'll be another fun one um yeah so 
Syracuse is like bottom 10 in the country in terms of protecting the glass. So that it's could definitely, it's, that's it's, a problem. It's an issue with the guys, the big guys they have. But well, like, yeah, cause you got 6'10 Merrick Dolezal, but he's, you know, he's 201 pounds. So that's, that's not enough pounds, buddy. No, it's totally not. Uh, but with the zone thing, like I, I brought that up because one question asked too. He's like, Bayhams like, fine, you'll beat me. You have a better game than me. He's stubborn in that way, which is probably the correct answer for a guy who's a curmudgeon. And he was in the back when the Big East form tried to break away to make that conference decades ago with him and John Thompson and whoever else was in the Catholic League when it started making making waves back in the 80s. So, they, and I don't know, like if they get hot, like we know what the zone will do. They'll take a step back. Okay, take a step back. But as to what they really want to do with that is like don't get the ball inside. But – I don't, you're right. Like, look at the victors. Like, they have nothing that impresses me. Like, Virginia might be the best comp and they get blown, they get beat by Virginia because the way they play defensively and Aztecs are, I think, sort of a similar type of play of Virginia, but probably can be a touch better scoring. Now, I guess it should be said, uh, you know, it's worth mentioning that in that last game against Virginia, you know, Virginia won on a buzzer beater. You know, yeah. so that, it was close. It's a little closer than we might make it sound like, you know, that they don't have any wins. So just to give them a little bit of credit here, but, Bye. but they lost. They didn't win the game. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day. Well, yeah, also, yeah, yeah. they just faded down the stretch. That's basically what it was. Like they and were, you know, who's head. not fading down the stretch? San Diego. Aztecs! Well, they, they went lost fi- since, 14? I don't know, since I was in college. 15 year old. They, yeah, they're just dominant. Like they, like Utah State, like they basically hand checked through the whole game. Like we mentioned in our other past year, like they were off the six oh run in the first second half. They just kind of stopped. You're not getting any close to us. And they just they didn't need to blow them out, but they were in control. Like we'll go shot for shot. We'll have a little run here. We'll go six oh, four one or something, but Utah State will go in a little like run where it's always anywhere between four and eight points, end up being what, eleven point victory. They could never crack it within like six points, I think, in that second half. And so if if San Diego State gets a slight lead, that's probably – I could see the same thing happening because the defense aspects are so good. They can do – their even if there's a zone, they'll kind of find ways. It'll probably trick them up. That's the one issue I have really is because they don't see this – nobody really plays a zone too much 100%. Right. That's the thing where if they don't see it, it's, like, it's hard to practice with. At least they have a whole week to get get to do it, which is I guess a day or two more than they normally – a day more than normally would get for the NCAA tournament. So that's one issue where if the zone trips them up, like you can't, it's hard to make this cross court passes because you have three three guys, six hands, and away from going from the wing to wing or the top to the corner, there's a bunch of hands in your face. They just need to like attack and pass out, attack and pass out. And the way you beat a zone is those quick passes. It's pass and drive through because the guys stay in the same spots. But if you pass, cut, pass, cut, pass, cut, they always got to take some sort of step back to at least kind of give a small shoulder or an elbow or a little hip when they're going through the lane, not a foul, but it's kind of getting their way. Eventually you'll be out of position. Somebody will be open. So that's kind of a thing you want to do. If you have a big guy, it's like they, like they have the San Diego state. It's a little bit tricky to get them the ball down low with that type of zone, but it could be done. But then what that does, it's almost like a crash. Like if Mensa gets the ball down low, like he's getting about eight points a game. He gets enough rebounds, but if he's down low and you're in that type of zone, there's going to be three guys on them all the time. Somebody else is going to be open. Like the beauty about the zones, there's a guy's always open. You're not going to be pressured with the ball. You can find yeah. a guy. Right. And if you're a team like San Diego State who's, you know, you're not ex- 
they're not Utah State. They're not needing Nathan Mensa to be the yeah. the main guy on offense. You know, so if this were Utah State and Syracuse, that could be a problem, right? But I think with San Diego State, you know, they're going to get the ball – uh, you know, they, they'll be able to spread the ball around to a bunch of different shooters who, unless they all go cold, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think that somebody's going to be able to continually break that uh, zone and be able to keep keep Syracuse from really getting too comfortable in it um, and, 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 and rattling. I don't think San Diego State's going to get rattled by this. They also just yeah. don't really seem like a team that rattles. Right, they are they they are a composed bunch of guys, um, and they are veterans. They are they are guys who let's see, experience wise, looking at their roster on Kempom here, they are two point four three years on average. Um, that's sixteenth best in the country. So if you're looking for guys who are going to get thrown off by some defense that they maybe aren't so familiar with. Look for another team, man. These guys know what they're doing. They can they can hit the threes over the zone. They can do – they're a really I, – I feel like San Diego State is well-equipped, maybe as well as anybody, to face Syracuse in this first round, which is why I feel pretty confident about this pick. I did too because they, they shoot – I think they're top 10 three-point shooting for the season and nationally. Shackles 46. Gomez is 40%. <laughs> You have even – well, no, he's not playing, Paul. I just mentioned a guy who's not playing. I saw another 40% guy. I'm like, nope, sorry, you're not in the roster. But you're right, but they don't need Mensa to do mu- not much of anything, but they don't need to lean on him. He's not going to be going up against a giant offensive player, won't get tired. But I think he's going to be a key to get him the ball to open things up. But, like, Matt Mitchell gets, what, a couple assists a game. He's def- – like, he'll be he'll probably get a couple more in this game. I think their assist numbers will go up because they have to. But stealing the ball, what they do, the defense overall – it's comparable to Syracuse. Like their defense is still about the same. Like for what they can do for blocks and steals, it's actually a touch better. So there is that. But how many blocks are they going to get when they're taking threes? Like yeah. what's Alan Griffin going to do? He gets about two blocks a game. How much is he going to really get if they're not giving the ball to Mensa? And he's only six five. It's not like he's like he's not going. Is he going to guard Mensa? Five inch difference? I'm like come on. Like they, the, it's the same thing in Utah State. The size is fairly comparable. Like no, even Quincy, Quincy Gary is only six seven. Merrick Dolezal will be on, you know, Mensa in there. Merrick yeah. Dolezal just is, you know, he's just not great. He is tough though. I'll give, I'll, I will say this. One of the toughest moments of the whole season I saw was <laughs> Merrick Dolezal getting his tooth knocked out in a game. Um, I, I don't think he even left the game or, you know, he, he didn't, he started the next game. Cause if you look, he started all 25 games with, <laughs> and he didn't miss anything. But I saw him get that whole tooth knocked out. Um, he like came down on someone's shoulder or something like that. It was, <laughs> it was pretty rough, but yeah, he, he took it and he came in. So he, he might be kind of wafer thin, but he, he's, he's a tough guy. Yeah. He got 30 pounds of men's on him. Like he barely, he doesn't score a ton. He's got yeah. 10 points a game. And so he's had multiple games with like under fewer than six points. So like his best game was 18 versus Notre Dame. It's like, Great, but I just don't know if Syracuse has enough. Because, like, it still comes back to me, the zone thing. Like, if they're, I think the way Syracuse would get the win is because Aztecs aren't shooting the ball well. That's the only reason. Yeah. And I think they could shoot well enough to beat this team who, while they do have their own scoring, like, Bo, Buddy had 30 points one game, so he's able to score. Like, he's, they, he scores, what, seven, 
<laughs> I'm 17. still mad about that, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, but like if a couple 14 guys like Guerrero and Griffin can put up points, but and they have like like even Dolziak. I joke about only 10 a game, but they have five guys who score nine or more points a game. It just depends how it's going to be spread out, and I don't think they're going to get to their 75 points what they typically get. So I think it kind of be a touch slower because Syracuse defense is still solid for like they force them turn they. Like I mentioned, the steals, the blocks, their rebounding differential and stuff like that. Because remember, Aztecs, when they played Utah State, they were still out rebounded, but still actually close. And as we mentioned, the size outside of, of, uh, Dolzak, they don't really have, like, Griffin somehow gets, he has some good hops, gets seven rebounds a game. They have a Guerrero somehow gets up there nine rebounds a game is a decent six, seven. But if you have Mensa down there, like, he's going to be tipping those balls before they do. So I, I, I just I'm confident they're gonna get the win. BPI wise is a little bit closer this time, Andy. A little bit closer. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm guessing that Jim Beheim pays ESPN, you know, a certain <laughs> amount of money to. to <laughs> oh and then I mean, that's how they get in the tournament, right? Because Lenardi has him on the bracket, so then you know we gotta put him in. No, I'm just kidding. I you know have to do that, but. I guess I'll go with 64%. Oh, I, you should have stopped at 60. It's 60 40. <laughs> I thought it's you had 60. it. Man. And then you're going to say 60 to 40, but you go 64. Dang it. Dang you're it. getting there. You're getting close. I'm so close, man. I'm zeroing in. I can feel it. <laughs> but but uh, like, I, 60 40 for San Diego State, though, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Okay. They are favored. So that, that I feel fine with. Yeah, no, no. There's definitely that. Uh, their three-point favorite Aztecs are. They're about a coin flip, essentially, from the spread consensus. I, I think they're going to get it done. Like I think it's like 75-65. They might win by almost 10 points, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that prediction. Now, here's the other thing I'll say, too. Um, San Diego State doesn't get cold very often on the season. Um, and if we want to have another, you know, they, they had their cold game against Utah State, right? They went 2 of 15 from beyond the arc. And they still won that game by 11 points. So not that, you know, that would go the exact same way against Syracuse and the, and the defense and everything there. But I'm saying that I don't think that they're going to stay cold. I don't think you're going to get another two out of 15, two games in a row from this San Diego State team. And if it does happen, then, you know, unmitigated disaster. And, yeah, no surprise that you lose. But I think, you know, they got the cold game. They got the cold game out of the way while somehow still winning the Mountain West Championship. I think they're going to be coming in with a ton of confidence, with a ton of experience, a ton of swagger, and yeah, I think that this one could could be a blowout. But you know, I always feel confident before the bracket starts. <laughs> Everybody does, right? Right. It's like, yeah, man, this is the smartest thing. You know, how could I be wrong? And it's like, oh, right. I didn't see that one angle, or I refused to look at that one angle, and uh, I was totally wrong. You know, the so. buddy angle. <laughs> so if that does happen, I apologize to all of our listeners here for picking Mountain West teams to win both of those games. I think they could. Like honestly, I don't see why Utah State couldn't win. I don't. I predict no, I, a close one, but it'll be. I, I wouldn't again, be surprised. I don't think they're Homer picks though either. I feel good if I. So I've had to sit here, you know, because I'm an Oregon State guy. We talked about that last time, but you know, I'm trying to convince myself why Oregon State can beat Tennessee. I'm not having to sit here and convince myself of San Diego State or Utah State. In fact, I'm kind of convincing myself of like 
why not to pick them? <laughs> so uh, I think, yeah, just in terms of my approach to these games, maybe I'm underselling Texas Tech a little bit, but I think that one's going to be close. I think that that Texas Tech-Utah State game could be the best game of the first round. So I, I overall, like the whole tournament? No, of the, just the first round. Oh, like, okay. I know like, I meant the, of all the games, though. Of all the games, I think it could be – let me say this. I think it could have the best finish. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be kind of ugly for a while and low scoring. So, you know, it might not be as exciting as, say, an LSU St. Bonaventure or, you know, some of these other games that could get a little bit more – The Gauchos? Ex- yeah, like that Creighton Gauchos game, baby. I'm a big UCSB supporter in this Heck bracket. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, maybe, maybe, but in terms of a game that I could really see coming down to the final seconds and, uh, you know, crazy contested final shot getting hit by somebody, I just, as soon as I saw Utah State Texas Tech, I just thought someone's hitting a buzzer beater in this game. Um, I don't know if that actually, you know, I think that I like Utah State to win maybe not on a buzzer beater but i don't know i just look at this matchup and i think it's two pretty well matched up teams that'll be very that have missing pieces or kind of empty puzzle pieces that the other team fills kind of well so like you know utah state has the big guy texas tech doesn't have any big guys uh like that to i don't know i think they just kind of these teams those two teams fit in a very interesting way, and it could be a very interesting matchup. Whereas San Diego State, I think, is going to be able to exploit some of the <laughs> the things a little bit more, those matchup differences. So with San Diego State, really quick, if they win, mm-hmm. I still say, I might say win, I say if just because, you never know. They're probably going to play West Virginia, yep. which I don't care if they have a tough schedule. Their defense is not very good. <laughs> like, looking yeah. at, like, they give up over 70-something points per game, like 72, 73 points per game. They score a lot, which position-wise could be a reason why that defense number is a bit higher, just on not per position but per game. So I could see that, like, in there, I, what I really want to see, honestly, I want to see San Diego State-Houston play. Which that, that would be a fun one. Because that would be a defensive battle. Both teams score in the mid-70s. San Diego State's actually played a lot tougher schedule than Houston. Houston beat up on Boise State. Um Houston's not as the past week or two hasn't been great. Lost to East freaking East Carolina and Wichita State, and so that's what game I could see, and that would put it. That'd be a Sweet Sixteen matchup, which I could see. Like I haven't done a ton of research on West Virginia, but I know they they give up a lot of points. They get another Big Twelve team. It's very difficult. They are also six and four, six and four the last ten. Like there's something to be said for not playing well the last handful of games. Like they put push Baylor to overtime, which I get was pretty good, but they lost back to back games to Oklahoma State. It's or I guess it's back to back if I'm reading this properly. But they yeah, they yeah. lost lose Oklahoma in overtime, double overtime. They beat Texas Tech by like eleven, fine. They beat Kansas, whatever. But I'm just thinking that with the way the Aztecs play, that could be a win. So I like if I'm gonna predict a far, like I could be stupid say Elite Eight San Diego State because I'm looking at my film on my bracket, but oh, I could see a win there, win there. They're probably not going to go that far, but I would not be surprised if they make it to play Houston because I don't see West Virginia as unbeatable. I don't see Houston as unbeatable. Houston, I have Houston, I think, a Final Four in one of my brackets. I could wrap those up, but I think Aztecs scored maybe two games. Well, I'll say this. I think that the Aztecs did get um, some – they got some luck here in that – 
I I feel that Oklahoma State and West Virginia should have been flipped on the seed line. Um, I think that West Virginia would have been a better four, maybe, and Oklahoma State, who just beat them twice, uh, would have been a three. And then, you know, they got Cade Cunningham over there. I think that Oklahoma State-San Diego State would have been a super fun game to watch. Um, I would have been – I don't know how confident I would have been uh, just with – Oklahoma State being so well-rounded and and being in a pretty good groove at the moment. Whereas, yeah, you're right, West Virginia kind of trending the other way a little bit. And mostly it's just that, you know, there's always this kind of weirdness of how much are we inflating some of these teams in these good conferences for beating these yeah. good teams? You know, it's like, are, are we sure that they're all good? <laughs> you know, we're saying that they're all top 10 teams. It's like, well, yeah, but you keep, but you're saying that because you're saying that they beat a top ten team, but you're, but are we sure that they're a top? You know, it's you kind can't of cir- the circular eight, thing. There can't be eighteen top ten teams. Eighteen, there impossible. There can't be eighteen top ten teams, right? But like, it's also just you know, we like Oklahoma, for example. Oklahoma was a top ten team a minute ago, and now they're an eight, an eight or a nine seed or whatever it is, and you know, it's maybe they're not. <laughs> really a top 10 team we're just saying that because they play in this conference and the conference is so tough if you win a game in the conference you must be a great team it's like no you just want some you want a basketball game um consistency is important here and i just haven't really seen a lot of that you you look at west virginia's schedule and the longest you know they they put together a four game win streak um I just want to make sure I'm looking. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure I'm looking at the right team here. They put together yeah. a four-game win streak early in the season. A couple, couple three-game win streaks. You know, the best stretch that they had was when they beat Kansas and Texas Tech back to back. Kansas has not been a typical Kansas team this year. Texas Tech is a fine team, but they're not. They're not Baylor. Um, yeah, I think West Virginia. I, here's here's the best thing I'll say about West Virginia. How about this? Do it. Give us they, took, they took Baylor to overtime and they played Gonzaga, I think, as tough or tougher than anybody else has all year long. Maybe that BYU game. <laughs> um, so, you know, this team can hang for sure, but can they win? Are they going to drop games? Maybe they shouldn't have. You know, they lost to Florida. They lost to Oklahoma twice to Oklahoma, actually. Um, there's some good players. Derek Culver's a great guy inside. He can handle Mensa or, you know, he, he can bump with Mensa a lot more than Dolers. I will be able to, um, you're going to be dealing with a lot of guys, uh, you know, some dynamic scorers though, too. You got, uh, Miles McBride or Deuce McBride, Taz Sherman guys can shoot. They, you got a bunch of shooters on this team too. Sean McNeil's another one. Um, so West Virginia, will be a much more interesting matchup. I mean, they're a three seed, not an 11. So they'll be a much more interesting, much more difficult matchup. But I do think San Diego State could prevail for, you know, some of the same reasons. Uh, you know, they 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 play they've, – they've got experience. They shoot the ball really well. Um, just that goes such a long way. When you can shoot the most valuable shot <laughs> – Super well. Uh, being a good three-pointing shooting team is – it keeps you in every game, right? So I don't think that there's any reason and that they that they can't hang with West Virginia in that second round. If they got to Houston, 
man, Houston's defense is so, so good. Um, that would be, it is, yeah, that'd be, a that would one. be, that would be an incredible matchup. So that, I do actually have that picked, uh, San Diego State to the Sweet 16. Nice. I don't have them getting past Houston, but that is what? where I have them going. I like Houston a lot. I think Houston is one of the most complete teams in the country. And yes, they lost to East Carolina, but I really like that Houston team. Um, and, and Kelvin Sampson obviously knows what he's doing. So, but yeah, I think, I think a sweet 16 for San Diego State and a first round win for Utah State. I think that's a pretty good haul for the Mountain West. I think it's possible. I'm there with you. Um, Aztecs maybe go farther, but I'm just going to go with what we have right here. Like it's going to be, uh, you're not going to win for Aztecs. Final Four? I was debating it, but uh, no, I'm not, I can't, that's too much of a homer. I think they can win two games. And if they play Houston, you never know, but I'm going to, I'm going with two wins for them and that'll, we're going to wrap it up here. I was going to, we were going to make this a, uh, single part with our buddy Larry Muniz talking about, um, coaching searches. I just noticed a timestamp on this. We're, we've recorded two hours today, essentially. Yeah, we sure have. I was so, looking at the time just now. I'm like, I saw oh, I'm like, oh boy, that's, uh, did my clock, did I not change my clock on my computer here? No, it changed. So you'll have this podcast and then all we'll the coaching one, which is a good break off because we ask him a couple of NCAA questions, but it's a good cutoff. So check out the part two of this podcast, or I guess just the next one in your feed talking hoops and the coaching search and UNLV New Mexico, but join our bracket pool with the USA today. It's on, it's pinned on our Twitter. It's on our top of our website as well. So go join and see if you can beat us and just have some fun. And we'll be back at some point to talk. Um, We'll either be happy or not so happy next time we see you guys talking, right, Andy? Now, <laughs> now real quick, Jeremy, who who do you have in your bracket? Uh, who do you have winning it all? Oh, it's Gonzaga. I don't have to say it. I'm going to pick them without even looking. I haven't even filled up my full bracket, but I know it's Gonzaga. Perfect. See, then I'm, I'm in the same boat, but I just wanted to, to check to see if we're, we're both there. I want to say one thing about the bracket, though. Like I mentioned earlier, maybe right, it's that's all I got to say. I mean, obviously, if a Mountain West team gets, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, not, I'd love to see Gonzaga do it. So. I might give my final four because I'm still working on it, which is whatever. They'll go to other people who get paid money to give that out. I don't care unless they're paying me more. I'll we'll do it, but <laughs> I'm just not sure. That's my my point. I'm not sure. I th- like I'm going through. I'm like one seed, one seed, two seed. I'm like, no, just first off, this never ever happened. Second of all. There's going to be random upsets because of what's happened this year. We don't know all these teams. So don't be shocked. That's like with me half saying, oh, I can see the Aztecs in the Final Four. I really could because of how weird the season has been. Like the only thing that it's, we know is Iowa's really good. Gonzaga's really good. Maybe Michigan. They took like three weeks off. Look at Iona. 50, 50 days off and they won the MAC tournament. So yeah. I'm just saying there could be – don't be shocked if there's like a weird low seed like an old George Mason, a Butler back in the day, Villanova, stuff like that where a lower seed gets in. So we'll see how it goes, but we'll be back. Uh, that's my pick, Gonzaga. Like I could see – really quick, I could see Houston, San Diego State. Um, I don't see Virginia or Kansas going very far. Um, I like Michigan, Baylor. I don't know. Iowa, they got all Americans, so it's like it's tough. But that's what I'm going with. Gonzaga win it all. We'll post our picks later at some point, but um, – yeah, we'll see you next time, folks, and enjoy the hoops because it's finally here for a year off, Andy. March Madness is back after one year left. We made it. We made it.